When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Hale Varsity Radio Road Show Day 2. We're back at Pinnacle Bank Arena, posted up here on uh, Media Row. Now you have a, an incredible ball game going on right now between Scott's Bluff and Elkhorn North. North will keep you uh, abreast of that situation. But, yeah, we are down uh, on uh, the road again for Girls State 2021. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, thanks for your time on this Friday there's uh, plenty to get into. Oscar baseball is off and running. And this is magic here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. I walked in to get set up around 2.30 or so, and, and Norris had just drilled a three to end the buzzer and give uh, themselves a lead. The Titans are off to the B Championship tomorrow. We'll have that game for you on ESPN Lincoln. Uh, I'll be on the call for that. But you walk into the arena, and it's like the, the scene in Gladiator where everyone's on their feet and there's this explosion of sound and energy and cheers the crowd and it's alive and well in Pinnacle Bank Arena here for this B semi right now Pius and Omaha Central tonight we'll have that over on sister station KFOR locally here in Lincoln Myself and Southwest coach Tim Barrett, assistant coach Tim Barrett. So uh, a great day for sports here in uh, Lincoln into the state of Nebraska. Numbers to join us can dial us up at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. At Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And email chris at halevarsity.com. Rick Pizzo will talk some Big Ten basketball with us in about 20 minutes. Friday is Bill Dolman. Bill going to be with us in one hour. Some recruiting recon with Greg Smith. So a Husker update as the uh, the Big Red uh, one nothing lead over Purdue. And uh, Max Anderson, uh, welcome to college baseball, my man Max, as he went deep. Down in Round Rock, an opposite field, laser to, to right field. Uh, basketball on our minds, some recruiting football. Elijah, I know you're stuck in studio, brother, but the energy down here is fantastic. How you doing? Yeah, it's got me fired up. I'm sitting here in the studio. Right? Like, put me in, coach. Can you hear the fans in the background? That's great. <laughs> how did how did tryouts go for you for basketball? They didn't go well for me at Southeast for, for high school basketball, but I, I did, thanks to, uh, to, to, to teacher... Uh, and Coach Dan Doherty, we did get the old Spud Web League going after uh, after school for the intramurals. We were intramural champs one year, 
and that rim was, I think, at eight feet or eight and a half feet for the Spud Web League. <laughs> you were an intramural guy, or did you play any any hoops at all uh, while you were uh, also rolling people at left tackle? The, the sport of basketball just involved way too much running for me, up and down the court, up and down the court. I'll, I'll pass on all that cardio. Uh, but I, I did do the intramural league, and uh, Coach Smith told me I had a nice jump shot in intramural basketball, if that, if that counts for anything. So. Well, hey, you get a compliment from Jeff Smith. That's awesome, man. That's I, great. That's I, great. I, I missed the shot, but I guess my form looked good. Uh, right now, we have uh, a run by Elkhorn North, 12-4. to 4. I feel old. I remember when it was Elkhorn, and then it was Elkhorn South, and now it's Elkhorn North. And uh, they are up 12-4 to 4 over Scott's Bluff. We are uh, behind us is the Scott's Bluff contingent. Another three ball bombed away by Elkhorn North, and this run is now 11-0. And it is rocking down here. This is fantastic. It was not rocking in Iowa City. It was very difficult for Nebraska basketball. It was going to be that way anyway. 102-64. Bludgeoning, beatdown, uh, whatever uh, other attribute you want to throw at it. It was horrific. It got ugly. It was a 40-point spread uh, that ended up shy of it for whatever reason. I thought, all right, maybe Iowa will be a bit disinterested or not shoot that great, and Nebraska could cover the 17-and-a-half. And uh, a little bit disheartening not to get rolled by a, a two-seed. That's going to happen. But Nebraska just kind of reverted back to well, the moments in time of where you get frustrated as a Nebraska basketball fan because you you see careless turnovers, you see shots that maybe are a little bit forced. And the, the thing that I guess if I'm a Nebraska basketball fan that would have lit me up last night was, was my, my guard play. And that is, uh, that is McGowan's and, and Banton each having five turnovers. And Elijah, it was, it was something as simple as just throwing the ball in bounds from the sideline or the baseline where there's four turnovers in the second half where they just threw it to Iowa. I mean, it, it was like Iowa was wearing in the Nebraska jersey. Just something careless and simple like that. I mean, you're going to have uh, missteps. You're going to have uh, the, 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 the turnovers, right? Though, but these were just flat-out simple. Let's, uh, let's pass the ball in to, to start the offensive possession, and you throw it right to the other team. It was, yeah, last night, it, it was just a, an example of Nebraska's focus not being where it needed to be. It didn't start out well with Derek Walker getting into foul trouble. I mean, hell, Garza only took eight shots, finishes with 14 points. Bohannon went off for 26. Uh, Iowa was around 38% from three-point land and shot 50%. But we've talked a lot this week about Iowa's defense and, like, how they're truly a different team. They're good enough offensively to be a two or three seed. When they want to play defense and give a damn, they're uh, they're right on the fringe uh, as uh, you have uh, Scott's Bluff uh, making a 5-0 run right now, a quick comeback. McCaffrey uh, shot... Uh, and did well, 19 points. But really, uh, Elijah Nebraska, no good in any phase last night. And their focus was, quite frankly, garbage. Yeah, uh, the, the intensity wasn't there defensively. A lot of open shots just uh, available for Iowa. Luca Garza able to clear a lot of space down low. 
Um, but again, the big problem was turnovers. There's one point in the first half where Nebraska cut the lead down to, I think, eight points right. whenever the Iowa backups were in, and they couldn't get any closer because it, they, they went Tanner Lee on the goal line against Northern Illinois, just throwing it straight to Iowa, and Iowa's coast-to-coast coast for an easy score. Like, it, 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 it went from down eight to down 20. I think it, it felt like 90 seconds just because of turnovers, a couple missed shots for the Huskers, and Iowa's hitting everything from deep. Well, no transition intensity at all for Nebraska. They didn't get back. Uh, I was listening to the ball game, and dear friend of ours, Jake Milheisen, does a great job doing color for Nebraska. And just the tone in his voice, he was pissed, I I, I thought, with just the this, like, you guys got to play harder, right? I mean, and it was just, I don't know. It was just a ball game where Nebraska, maybe they went into it, not as focused, or we're going to get hit by a buzzsaw here, so... Maybe there was some doubt, but Hoiberg not happy. We'll hear from the mayor here in a moment. Uh, Lat Mayan played well, took good shots, made good shots, had 13 rebounds, so he went after it. But just the overall vibe was Nebraska was a far cry from the last four to five games from, a, from an intensity level. Uh, McGowan's one for seven. And, and you're going to have that with, with this basketball team. There's going to be some peaks and some valleys. Uh, clearly no peak last night. Iowa, though, looked in peak form. More from Hoiberg last night. Here is the mayor on Nebraska's poor start. We talked at length about the importance of getting off to a good start against this team. Uh, it's a team, if you don't play well, they can embarrass you, and that, that's exactly what happened tonight. You know, we had great looks early. If you look at the first possession, uh, we missed two layups and a wide-open three on the very first possession. And then we missed some shots that we had been making lately, and, you know, they capitalized on them. Once we missed, uh, continued to miss, it started to affect us getting back in transition. That's where Bohanna got going. Uh, that's where Garza's, you know, is next to impossible to stop as, as it gets with uh, getting deep post position, the way he runs the floor uh, every possession. And we just... Uh, you know, our lack of urgency on the defensive end was the thing that was so disappointing to me. So, more from Hoiberg uh, when it comes to that defensive intensity and the defensive issues, that was uh, a major problem. You need great defense and a little luck to make sure Iowa's not firing on all cylinders. That wasn't the case last night. You know, with just time after time, they... Uh, we're comfortable coming down. We weren't communicating. We weren't getting matched up properly. You know, defensively, we played probably our best game of the year against Rutgers. We were all over the place, had great activity with our hands, did not give them easy baskets in transition, and then tonight was, was our worst. And, and if you don't play well on the defensive end, you don't have urgency. Like I said, Iowa's a, a team that's certainly capable of embarrassing you. We'll uh, have a Tiger Woods update here in a moment. Some more news about Tiger's crash coming out. We'll get into some NFL and Todd McShay's third mock draft. Is it just straight quarterbacks coming out for the next uh, four or five picks here as we get into the 2021 NFL draft? Where are the projections looking for Hymas and Mills and, and Decap? So some NFL here in about 30 minutes. Rick Pizzo coming up shortly couple more comments here from Coach Hoiberg here uh, and kind of the uh, the totality of disappointment last night, specifically what Fred was most ticked about last evening. 
but just our overall lack of energy, urgency uh, was the thing that I was disappointed with. You know, you're going to have nights where that ball doesn't go through the hoop, and that's what happened early was, like I said, some really good shots, and then we just could not get back and, uh, and guard them. And then the turnovers again. You know, go, go back to 20, and a lot of those unforced, we've been handling pressure very well and getting back cuts, uh, getting rim attempts versus pressure. But tonight we're just throwing it to them. You know, we weren't executing our zone inbounds plays. They, they take away options, and, uh, you know, we went through it at length yesterday and today, and we, we weren't executing. You know, you're giving them pick sixes on baseline out-of-bounds plays. That, that can't happen if you want to compete and, and play against a top-five team on the road. I never thought I'd hear a Division One coach say, yeah, we're just throwing it to them. Elijah, back to your point here of the, the Tanner Lee reference. Thank you for that this on this Friday. No, I mean, it's just, it's true because it reminds me of that play where it's like Huskers driving down the field, offense looking good. And, and you're then, screaming, run the football, yeah, run the football. Yeah, in the terms of basketball, it's like, Take the, take the open look when you get it. Move the ball around the perimeter. Um, but then you're Tanner Lee throwing it right to the to the uh, Northern Illinois quarterback, who is very good. His name slips my mind. Uh, and then it's 99 yards, and the, and the game's completely different. And that's what it felt last night uh, with Iowa. It's just you felt like you were in it. You felt like you were playing good defense, and you, you turn the ball over. They go coast to coast, easy layup. And uh, an eight-point lead turns into a 20-point lead or, or what have you. Just... Whenever the effort and intensity was there for brief 30 seconds, minute-long periods of time, it was just completely flipped by these Iowa getting turnovers, forcing turnovers, and getting the other end of the court and capitalizing on those turnovers. That, that, that was the main thing was Nebraska wasn't getting back and, and stopping Iowa after they turned the ball over. It seemed like every single time Iowa forced a turnover, they were getting points off of it. You know, I went to dinner last night. Uh, Doug Duda popped on down to, to Longwell's with us, and uh, Doug, an incredible play-by-play guy for uh, ESPN 1460, 1550, 92-1, 92-7, uh, Carney Hastings, Grand Island. So when Doug's down here for state for, for boys and girls, I love catching up with him over the years and went and had a drink, and, and I'm pretty sure I helped him, but it was more me. I ate three loaves of bread, and it was incredible. But I went to, to go use the can. I come back, and you know Nebraska's in the midst of a 7-0 run, and then I come back, and here comes Iowa's uh, 11-0 spurt <laughs> to, to answer. And, and I got the, uh, the the stink eye about, you know, I'm, I'm the superstitious issue. Uh, last thought here from Ho- from Hoiberg. Two more thoughts from, from the mayor before we get into some Big Ten big picture basketball. Uh, Hoiberg here. Uh, some more commentary from the mayor on energy issues. I don't know, we were beating our chest a little bit after winning two in a row. Uh, or what it was, but you know, I had to jump them. We just weren't as locked in as we'd been, and that, it's not been a problem at all this year. Even through the losing streaks that we had, we've continued to come in, stay locked in, fight, battle, and be in it in most of our league games. You know, the one exception was Ohio State, and certainly now the Iowa game. But you know, we our fight and spirit and energy has been there. But you know, for whatever reason, we just didn't come in with the right. I didn't feel the right mentality this morning. You know, we needed a good, hard shoot-around sweat session to get ready for all the actions that Iowa runs and what you're going to be defending uh, 90% of the time, which is their four-out-one in motion, screening in. They're pinning their own man. We, we, time after time, we got pinned in. I would love to be in the stands when Fred gets pissed and jumps his team because that would be, well, 
a thing of beauty to see, and good for him doing it. Do we have do we have time for one more thought here, Elijah? Oh yeah, let's we, get, yeah. Right, let's let's get to the mayor here. Still uh, plenty of 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 season left. As in, you have Northwestern, and then you have a, a chance to to do some work in in Indy. Here's the mayor. We do have to find a way to move on. We got another short prep. You know, go figure that one. But you know, we got to find a way to put this behind us and get ready to go out and. Uh, as I said, finish the season off hopefully on a high note. At least going out and compete and fight and swing. Go down swinging, man. If you're going to lose, if you're going to get beat, go down swinging. That's a great take. And uh, we'll see what can happen Sunday against Northwestern. We're down here. Pinnacle Bank Arena. Roadshow Friday. It's Hale Varsity on the road here courtside. As you have the other B semi going on right now, Miller, uh, excuse me, Elkhorn North 21, Scotts Bluff 10. Now, when I, we're done here, six o'clock over on KFOR, we're going to have Pius and uh, Omaha Central, your A semi. Pius has won 31 straight. Coach Pesota and crew are working on back to back state championships. So, uh, Tim Barrett and myself will have that game over on KFOR. We'll check in with Rick Pizzo, get Rick's take on the scope of the Big Ten here going into tournament time. Hail Varsity on the road, Pinnacle Bank Arena where we're at, and we are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio. Uh, courtside here at Pinnacle Bank Arena, Girls State 2021. Let's talk some hoops. We bring in uh, Rick Pizzo with the Big Ten Network at BTN. Rick Pizzo. Rick, uh, sunny skies uh, here in Lincoln, man, and uh, the basketball feel is back. How are you getting into your weekend? Thanks for the time. Yeah, my pleasure as always. Getting into the last weekend of the Big Ten regular season. Obviously, we know who the champ is in Michigan. We know Illinois will be the number two seed. We know after last night that Nebraska will be the 14th seed, and we'll see the Huskers on Wednesday night in Indy. And that's what I'm getting ready for, headed down to Lucas Oil Stadium, new venue, very familiar city for the tournament, uh, getting ready for our sideline and studio duties from next Wednesday through uh, Friday night in Indy and looking forward to it. Let's spend a minute on Iowa. I mean, that was an absolute dismantling and, and the Hawkeyes looked every bit as good as a, a, a two-seed conversation. Um, tell me about Iowa and, and what kind of flipped for them. They can always score it. They've got uh, just matchup issues for for a lot of other teams, but Rick, their defense, man, is at a different level right now. Why is that? Yeah, I think they're a little bit extra motivated right now, Chris, because they're hearing all this talk about Michigan and Illinois and Ohio State, and I think they feel a little bit forgotten, which is a crazy thing to say about a team that is projected, as you mentioned, to likely be a number two seed if they hold serve in the Big Ten tournament. I also think that it's a pick-your-poison, and last night Nebraska decided – they were not going to let Luca Garza go for 30 and 15. You're just not going to let the likely player of the year be the one to beat you. And so Jordan Bohannon goes nuts for 26. Joe Wieskamp is always a problem. But you brought up the defense, and I think that's the key. Yes, they can score with anybody. They have been better on the defensive end. That is what is going to separate this Iowa team, I believe, from other Iowa teams. That and the depth, the fact that you can shut down 
to a certain extent. Garza, keep him to 12, 15 points, 7, 8 rebounds. But other guys are going to beat you. And that's why I think this Iowa team, especially if they get the right matchups in the NCAA tournament, is a team that no one is talking about going to the Final Four ahead of Illinois, Michigan, or Ohio State. I think they absolutely have the potential to go that deep. Rick Pizzo's with his Big Ten Network, Hale Varsity Radio, courtside here between uh, semifinal games. Uh, we'll have uh, Pius and Omaha Central coming up here shortly. Uh, Rick Pizzo with the Big Ten Network at BTN. Rick Pizzo, as we zoom out on the Big Ten, uh, explain Illinois to me, that nuke they dropped at Michigan. Were you expecting that? And, and what type of momentum does Illinois have right now? Uh, I think they're they're kind of projected as a one seed, but, you know, what's the gap like between Gonzaga and Illinois right now, in your opinion? Boy, I don't think there's a huge gap between Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Illinois. I really don't. I think those are clearly, in my estimation, based on the body of work, they're the four best teams that I've seen play college basketball this year. And it is always hard. Gonzaga has an amazing collection of talent, and this is not the Gonzaga of 20 years ago where they have one or two really good players that can drive the bus. I mean, for the last five, six years, they are loaded with NBA-caliber talent, and that's the case again this year. The issue is you don't really get to see them night in, night out, battling quality competition like you get to see Michigan, Illinois, or, or Baylor in an absolutely terrific conference this year in the Big 12. So I think that's the one question mark I have with Gonzaga. The question mark that I thought I had with Michigan was, if you can get Hunter Dickinson in foul trouble, is that their kind of kryptonite? Is that why they got throttled by Illinois because Kofi Coburn dominated down low? Well, they answered that question uh, against Michigan State and the way they bounced back and held the Spartans to 50 points. They are remarkably dangerous. And I think Illinois, it's interesting that you lose Io DeSumo and you're able to win that game. And not only does that help you clinch, you know, a, a really good spot in the Big Ten tournament. You're going to be the number two seed. But think about the confidence it gives Andre Curbelo. Think about the confidence that DeMonte Williams and Trent Frazier now have. This is not a two-man team. It's not Io, Kofi, and all these other guys. It's a really, really good basketball team that Brad Underwood is coaching. Rick, Nebraska's been playing with some pretty good momentum. That didn't happen last night. Uh, Nebraska with careless turnovers and I know Fred was was not happy with with that, uh, but overall Nebraska's playing better basketball. Uh, what what has this Nebraska team shown you? And let's go back to to Rutgers for a moment. I mean, I was looking at kind of the sop, the, the crop seedings for ESPN.com, and they're they're giving a little blurb on Rutgers. And in the opening paragraph is dismantled by Nebraska. Dot dot dot. And uh, where's Rutgers at? And more so, where do you think Nebraska's at heading into this tournament? I know they're the 14 seed, but uh, is Nebraska a team right now that, that could I don't know maybe go win a game in Indy? They could absolutely win a game, especially when you look at the likely matchups. I mean, who are the potential 11 seeds? You're looking at most likely Northwestern, Penn State, or Minnesota. All teams at Nebraska either has beaten already this year or has been in position to beat this year. So for sure, Nebraska can win a game. Now, can they win two? I think that's going a little bit too far when you look at the depth of the conference and who they'd likely play on Thursday. But they could absolutely hang around for an extra night 
in Indianapolis. Yeah, for Rutgers, I think the issues are all offensively. They're going to bring their defense every night. That's going to win you some games, but they need to figure out what is going on with Ron Harper. you got to get the November and December Ron Harper Jr. back because ever since Harper stopped making jump shots and stopped being an offensive weapon, defenses can focus on Miles Johnson down low. They don't let Geo Baker beat you. And then you look around and you're like, Who's going to score enough points on that team to actually beat quality opposition? They don't have much time to figure it out, but they better get it figured out. Otherwise, they could be seeing an earlier-than-expected exit in Indy. Rick, as we approach the Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament time, you know, it's, it's postseason award time. Uh, one of the favorites for player of the year is Luca Garza. That's national player of the year. Um, but... And we also could see him not win Big Ten Player of the Year. Io DeSunmo has made a very good case these past couple weeks. Could you see a scenario where Io DeSunmo wins uh, Big Ten Player of the Year over Luca Garza? If you had asked me this question a week and a half ago, I would have said yes. But now that DeSunmo missed three games in a row with that broken nose at the end of the year, I think that probably takes that off the table. I mean, honestly, in Big Ten play, you could absolutely make the argument that Iowa was a more valuable player than Luca Garza. Now you take the whole season and what Luca Garza did to non-conference competition, and I don't think that's the case. But if you're looking at Big Ten games only, you could have. But Iowa misses that showcase game against Michigan. If he had been around and if he had gone out in that game and scored 25 and had 10 and 8 or came close to another triple-double, yes. I think the fact that he did not play these last couple of weeks probably means that Garza will win it. But I guess I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way. I I just think there's a little bit of recency bias. When you miss games heading right into the award selections, I think it really hurts you. Rick Pizzo's with us. A couple more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio, Big Ten Network at BTN. Rick Pizzo. Rick, um, is Sparty in? And two, if Indiana doesn't put a run together, is Archie in trouble? Uh, I don't think Michigan State – I mean, if the selections are today, I think Michigan State is probably the last or next-to-last team in, right, which is not a spot you want to be with all the conference tournaments going on right now because if somebody shocks Gonzaga, for example, in the West Coast or somebody shocks another team that's going to be in the at-large, which is probably a one-bid league anyway, then you don't want to be in that position on Selection Sunday – If Michigan State beats Michigan this weekend or if they get one win in Indianapolis since they won't be playing on Wednesday, they'll be playing on Thursday, I think they're in. I think one win does it for Michigan State. As for Indiana, I think a lot of it depends not just on whether they make the NCAA tournament, Chris, but how do they look against Purdue and in their first-round matchup in the Big Ten tournament. Remember, they haven't won in West Lafayette since 2013. Purdue's won eight straight overall in that series. If they get run out of the gym... If they get embarrassed by their in-state rival and go down and lay an egg in Indianapolis, I think anything's a possibility. If they show up and play really well, maybe upset Purdue, maybe go to Indy and win a game, let's stop that conversation. Remember, the buyout's $10 million, and you know, Chris, from talking with me about coaching changes, I am a huge believer that unless you are 100% confident that you know you can get somebody better than what you have, you do not make the move. Don't disagree with you on that. You got to have the next guy lined up. And to a bigger picture, why is Indiana not, I don't want to say Bob Knight, Indiana, but why aren't they NCAA tournament Indiana? What, what's, what's their ailment, in your opinion? They've got great talent. They do, and that's a remarkably fair question, and and there's no easy answer, and I think that's why Archie is taking so much heat right now. You have 
one of the best bigs in the Big Ten, one of the most underrated bigs in the country in Trace Jackson Davis. You have veteran guys out on the perimeter. I mean, Rob Finnessy and Al Durham and Armand Franklin have been doing this for a while. Now, I know Franklin is hurt and Finnessy's been up and down, but this is a team that, in my mind, should be so much more consistent than it is. I didn't even mention a guy like Race Thompson, who I think is playing way above his uh, expectations this year. So I think that's the problem is you look at this team and you say, well, if it's not a talent issue and it's not an experience issue and it's not a depth issue, then what's the issue? And so then everybody starts to think, well, it's got to be the coaching, right? So I, I wish I had an easier answer to your question, but very simply stated, should Indiana be better based on the roster that it has right now than it is right now? Absolutely, 100%. Rick, final thought, uh, number of, of Big Ten teams that get in, are you pretty square at, uh, at, at nine, uh, maybe, uh, maybe a tenth? Uh, where are you at right now uh, as we talk March 5th? Yeah, I think nine is the right. I think ten is going to be really hard. You know, I mean, obviously Nebraska, Northwestern, Penn State, we're not going to see those teams. And I would be really surprised if we saw Minnesota or Indiana. You know, Indiana's going to have to make a run. Minnesota, at this point, honestly, may have to win it all. So then you're down to nine. I I do think Michigan State gets in. I really do, because I think if they need a game in Indianapolis, they find a way to get it. Uh, So I'm hanging my hat on nine for the Big Ten on Selection Sunday. Rick Pizzo, the Big Ten Network. Rick, you have a great weekend, and uh, we'll check in soon. Uh, Thanks so much for the time today. All right, man. Enjoy the hoops of PBA. We'll talk to you guys soon. Gotta love it. Rick Pizzo with us. Big Ten Network, Hale Varsity Radio, Pinnacle Bank Arena. We are at halftime here at the B-Semi. And uh, you do have Elkhorn North 30, Scott's Bluff 21. We will dive into some projections here for the upcoming NFL draft. What does the uh, the radar look like for Brandon Hymas, for Matt Farniok? for Mills, for Decap, also some recruiting thoughts to uh, to think about uh, for Nebraska around the state. Numbers to get in, 466 or 466-3776. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence, Chris at AleVarsity.com. Some NFL and some Husker ball next. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity. We are courtside Pinnacle Bank Arena, the B semis here. Elkhorn North and Scotts Bluff halftime winding down 30 to 21. We'll have Pius at Omaha Central, the A semi tonight over on Sister Station KFOR. I'll have the call in uh, Lincoln Southwest assistant, uh, one of my favorite people. Coach Tim Berda going to be with me on the call tonight. Elijah Herbal will be producing that. As uh, what a just a, an immense amount of fun and energy here down uh, in the rail yard at PBA in the capital city. Husker baseball to get you an update on. Uh, Nebraska is forged forward. They jumped out and won nothing. Purdue came back to take a three to one lead. Nebraska tied things up at threes. And then uh, in the top of the fifth, you had a Cam Chick bomb to make it a 4-3 to three, uh, Nebraska lead right now here at uh, the top of the fifth. 
All the, all the Husker runs coming. For Nebraska, so Husker baseball doing their flex job uh, uh, with uh, the long ball. Uh, Anderson uh, Acker hit a, uh, a two-run shot, and then uh, Cam Chick. So Nebraska leading. I, I think I can call them Perdon't. Purdue, Perdon't. Uh, four to three here, middle innings. So let's talk some uh, some NFL thoughts and some Nebraska. So right now, the only uh, Husker for this 2021 draft class that got a combine invite is Brendan Hymas. You know, Hymas has good size. Hymas has uh, great footwork. Hymas has been an Iron Man for Nebraska as many career starts and consecutive starts he had. And uh, he'll he'll be probably a, a day three guy. Could he sneak up? You know, third, fourth, fifth round, probably. Maybe he's. I'm thinking he's more of a fifth through seventh guy. Uh, I don't know just how deep the uh, the offensive tackle class is. I know Northwestern's stud is probably going to be the first offensive tackle off the board. Matt Farniak's a guy that, that could get a look at getting drafted as well. And uh, kind of the consensus right now, uh, maybe late, late round for Decap and Mills, but more likely priority free agents. And the good news right now for those guys is things are opening back up. Restrictions are kind of dialing back away. So it's not going to be as, as gruesome to try and make a squad during COVID times, unlike last year. Now, what was really cool for Nebraska was you saw the, the Davis twins, Khalil and Carlos, not only both get drafted, but uh, make a team. <laughs> and making a team as a, as a late-round draft pick on the defensive lines damn hard. And uh, Sue has been able to take Khalil under his wing a little bit. Here's some comment uh, from Khalil Davis with Nebraska's Twitter channel on just his experience winning that Super Bowl with Tampa. Tom Brady got me to jump off slides in practice. I was on scout team, so I got to go up against them pretty much all year. I did bat one of his balls down in practice. Luckily, um, you know, nobody cussed me out or anything. You know, his uh, his cadence, I don't know if anybody knows it, but it's, it's that He got me to jump off slides like two or three times this year, and I did get cussed out for that. He has so many vet moves, like he knew that we weren't looking for it, set hit. Oh, got you. Yep, got him, got him. And then, you know, the coach comes over. What are you doing? What are you doing? So, yeah, you're not the first nor the last rookie to be blasted by Tom Brady, uh, jumping off sides. But, but Brady's a master at doing it, and I can only imagine the, uh, the, the verbiage used on that. Let's hit recruiting for a moment, and uh, it'll be, no doubt, uh, fun to sit down with Greg Smith here in less than an hour, get his take on things with recruiting. But uh, on the radar, Caden Helms, obviously an in-state, high-level talent uh, for Nebraska. How are things trending with Nebraska in-state? Ernest Houseman from Columbus, I think, uh, is going to set his timetable this month to to make his his commitment. I mean, we're talking Michigan, we're talking Northwestern. But he's a kid Nebraska's got to get. And... Can, can Nebraska get some momentum in state here with uh, a plethora of talent? Uh, right now here we're courtside Pinnacle Bank Arena. Five-minute mark. Scott's Bluff making a move as uh, they have cut it down under 10. 
But Caden Helms, in-state uh, talent, he's 6'6", he's 220 pounds. He's your hybrid flex guy, and uh, boy, can he play ball for Bell West. Uh, right now, big offer this week from LSU. Florida State is in on him. Oklahoma is in on him. So uh, Nebraska will have to really go to work to get him. Elijah, let's spend some time on, on Torres real quick because we'll spend uh, a few minutes with Greg Smith on Torres. But what would you think, man? What did you think of Torres' film? Uh, I think San Antonio is an absolutely underrated part of the country for quarterback play. Uh, they uh, were really dominant around the Tommy Armstrong era when it came to state championships and what they were able to do with uh, kind of a power offense and a mobile quarterback look with Tommy Armstrong. We fast forward now to, to this last season. And, and Torres is a guy that is just sneaky mobile. I guess the best that's the best way I'll put it, watching him scramble on some some uh, some zone read stuff, but not too many, honestly, design quarterback runs. I guess the thing I'm happiest about with uh, this offer is a Nebraska used to develop and blow up. It, it could be a you know a nice loyalty thing for Nebraska, but B with Torres, he uh, he's got accuracy, he's got size, but I thought his poise was pretty good. His poise was pretty good, and when he gets into the open field, he's a glider, but in no way, shape, or form is, is he a burner. He's uh, he's a pass-first guy, and I think I'm, I'm excited to see that for Nebraska football when it comes to their quarterback profile. Yeah, and he's got the one thing that you can't teach, you can't coach, and that's his frame. Six foot six, currently 210 pounds. Uh, you assume once he gets into a college weight program, he even put on a little bit of weight, but I mean, Six foot six, over 200 pounds. I don't want to compare to the Big Ben because that's not what this guy is at all. Yeah. Um, much more mobile than Big Ben. But you see what a frame like that and what size like that can do as a quarterback. And it's a little bit of an equalizing force against some of these defensive linemen coming in trying to hit you. And they realize, oh, man, this dude's only you know, 30, 40 pounds less than me. That's, that's not that big of a difference compared to the quarterbacks who are, you know, six foot, six foot one, 200 pounds on the dot where it's just, defensive lineman towering over them. It's a different type of quarterback for Nebraska. Um, I think it's really interesting, and I think another really interesting aspect here is his only other official offer is from uh, UTSA, uh, Texas San Antonio. So Nebraska, just in terms of profile, trumps UTSA, and you'd assume that Nebraska would have the advantage on them just there. So I think while being a guy who is intriguing in his frame and how he plays the game, uh, it's also a very gettable recruit for Nebraska, in, in my opinion. No, they got to line up. Uh, they got to go to work on Helms. They got to get uh, Houseman. And Torres is absolutely gettable, but some of the names will spend time with Greg Smith on at quarterback. There's probably more polished quarterbacks out there right now. What's Nebraska look like radar-wise uh, for some of these kids that, that are uncommitted? But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cornerstone deal, honestly. You want to a lot of times get that quarterback uh, commitment and that kicks off your class. Hail Varsity, we are on the road here, Pinnacle Bank Arena. Still third quarter action. Uh, you have Elkhorn North 38, Scotts Bluff 27. We'll wind down hour one. Bill Dolman on the way, Greg Smith coming up. Hail Varsity continues. Uh, championship Saturday is tomorrow. Semis right now at PBA with Hail Varsity. He's in his 30s. 
but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. One down this first hour, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, third quarter. And uh, Elkhorn North trying to stop the, the momentum here. As uh, you have Scott's Bluff that's pulled within 38-31. And uh, Elkhorn North just drills a three. High-level ball here. Norris a winner earlier, outlasting York. And that, man, that was a ball game. Motsi and, and John Harris had that call for you. And we'll have uh, Pius tonight against Omaha Central. Excited to see the Bolts' uh, title defense continue on. Uh, you can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. And uh, also give uh, Elijah a follow on Twitter at Herbal Essence. So when we talk about this time of year, as the ball's in front of me, that was quick movement on my end. Uh, moving is, is important. Moving's huge on the basketball court. Uh, maybe you're looking at finding that new home or trying to get out of your current home. West Blue Realty is what you need to think about. Uh, West Blue Realty, they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And I tell you what, the housing market right now, uh, there is so much... Uh, Demand, but maybe not a lot of supply. West Blue Realty is uh, going to make it easy for you. You mentioned Hale Varsity. Get up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby uh, is there to take your phone call at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider. Give Kelly a ring at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So, Elijah, I promise we'll get to, to McShay's mock draft. I love this time of year. Is there anybody you're, like, just absolutely in love with with the NFL draft coming up? It doesn't have to be a quarterback but a player. Is there just one guy you're like, that dude's going to be good? Uh, it's not the, the sexiest answer out there. Uh, I got to go with uh, P9 Sewell. He's an offensive tackle from Oregon. A lot of mock drafts have him going to Cincinnati. First offense lineman off the board. It makes a lot of sense. That dude's just got – solid, if not Pro Bowl, offensive tackle written all over him. Uh, there's another good tackle from Northwestern. Uh, his name's slipping me right now. Uh, he opted out this season. Rashawn Slater. Uh, I think he's also... Slater's good. awesome. I think he's going to be a great offensive tackle. Both those guys, I, I think, uh, are, are pretty low-risk uh, picks uh, for these guys. But if you're talking just like a home run guy with a lot of upside, too... How could you look further than Devontae Smith from Alabama? The dude was putting up sure. ridiculous numbers in college. His route running looks just as polished as Jerry Judy's last year. He's got more athleticism than Jerry Judy. Uh, his only question is, with, with that frame, is he going to adapt well to the NFL? But he's adapted well at Bama against the, the, the top levels of, uh, of college football. So I, I think he's a guy that, I mean, maybe after a, a year or two of development to really get that game uh, up to NFL level, even if he needs that, I, I think he's going to be uh, – a guy that's got probably the most upside in the draft and is going to be available after, say, pick five still. 
guy I love, and we'll get to break here, is is Kyle Pitts out of Florida, mm, the tight another, end. Another, yeah. He's he's awesome. I want to see the Mac Jones translation, the two to the NFL. Uh, he waited his turn and balled out. And then uh, our, our guy from BYU <laughs> is, is just big time. Zach Wilson's fun to watch. Hour two coming up. We're here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Hale Varsity Roadshow. The state semis going on. Bill Dolman coming up. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We're courtside here as time winding down in this uh, Class B girls state semi. And uh, it's been all uh, Elkhorn North, 57-39 over Scott's Bluff. We'll preview Pius tonight, and uh, they have Omaha Central have that uh, semi-A game on Sister Station KFOR, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We were down in the rail yard yesterday, more normalcy with sunshine and fans. And uh, really cool to be here uh, courtside for PBA. You had Norris, led by uh, Stye and company, uh, get to the uh, se- the championship round tomorrow for Girls B. So Norris uh, waiting the winner of this. We welcome in the pride of Fairbury, who's called his share of championships uh, at a lot of different levels. Bill Dolman with us, NBC Sports, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, were you able to, to set up the, the Dolman home studio for the, uh, the the Nordic Games, or did uh, did you get instructions, bud? How are you? Oh, no, I, the, the uh, NBC Highlands Ranch Bureau Regional <laughs> Command Center uh, affiliate headquarters has been in operation for a few months now. Uh, bringing the world the best in uh, Nordic sports and biathlon. So, no, we're, we're all set to go. It's just the, the big key is making sure the alarm clock goes off at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning to get the, to make sure we get the job done. Well, you're just getting to work, and I'm coming home. I mean, <laughs> I appreciate the phone call today, so I uh, know that it's Friday. No, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Bill, you know that the Big Ten is going to allow fans for, for the Big Ten tournament. Other uh, entities are going to open things up. The NCAA is going to be less stringent for the, for the, for the, uh, the bubble in Indy. But uh, what's this time of year mean to you, uh, especially with all you've covered in your career when we, when we talk state tournament action? Well, I just think that there, you know, there, there's there's a wholesomeness around the country when March Madness rolls around, and and maybe not necessarily at the NCAA Division One level because I think that that has become so corporate. But when the state tournament rolls around, the districts, there's just so much. Uh, maybe I'm a little naive, but I think there's still in small towns, there's a lot of community camaraderie and pride that comes through at this time of year because, you know, the basketball tournaments are special with districts and sub-districts, and then you get the state tournament. And, you know, Nebraska is a very special place, and we proved that a year ago when, uh, you know, they had the state tournament. And once again, kind of being somewhat at the forefront of the return of sports, really, 
around the country. Even though it's a state high school basketball tournament, Nebraska is showing once again, you know, you can do it and you can do it safely and you can enjoy it. And then you've got great stories like the one, you know, that's developing with the Winnebago at the girls' state tournament. I mean, that's, just stuff like that makes it so much more special than I think what we see when the when the, the big dance rolls around on both the men's and women's side. There's still there's still some semblance of purity to March Madness and high school basketball tournaments that the major major sports have kind of lost focus on. Bill, so the Kentucky Senate has passed a bill, 36-0, allowing high school seniors to stay for another year of high school and play sports. What would a, a, a super senior Bill Dolman, Fairbury Jeffs-led program look like? Well, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, applying now. I mean, I, I think that I still have a lot to offer. I scored 10 points in a game once. Uh, as people who you know listen to this show every day, and especially at uh, at, at my time on Fridays, uh, you all know that I'm one of the greatest, or in fact, the greatest free throw shooter in the history of the Bob Devaney Sports Center. Uh, so I still think that I have a lot to offer uh, with my skills. You know, I, I I never missed a free throw in my career at the Devaney Center, and I think there's something to be said for that. If you're going to give guys extra years of eligibility, well, why stop it? You know, this year's seniors. Let's go back to you know people who are approaching seniority, you know? Well, how many free throws did you attempt? Well, I don't think that's really important, Chris. I, I think what's important that when given the opportunity, when my team needed me most in the game in which, you know, you, you, you sure were up by 30 in the waning games, of a, but it's a state tournament. You just never know what can happen. And so when you're called in to go to the free throw line to see that, you know, make sure you win, your team can win by 32, you got to, you got to, come through and i did and i i'm not ashamed of it you know to be proud of those moments people are still talking about it there's no question and bill I, dolman I was responsible for the fairberry cover is what you're telling me well yeah you know and, and I'm, I'm glad o'neill um stuck with their program because it would be very easy to fold in a situation <laughs> like that after what happened but you know they've stuck with it and i understand they still play ball in o'neill and that's good um uh, you know, I didn't get to play against Seward the next night in what was the de facto championship game in uh, 1983. Uh, never mind the fact that Mount Michael had a much better schedule than we did that weekend. But, you know, I did what I needed to do, got it done, and, uh, yeah, it's got me where I am today. Bill Dolman's with us. Prior to Fairbury, NBC Sports, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. We're talking state tournament lore and uh, anxious to, to kind of get your take here. So, we don't know what a number is going to be like for Nebraska and the spring game, but uh, we know uh, Teddy Ball game uh, says that he's anticipating a crowd. Bill Moose is priming the pump for for fans and full capacity. Uh, you, have, you have AD Byrne at Bama out on Twitter already kind of throwing a hand grenade. Uh, bless his heart about full capacity at Bama this fall. But if you're Nebraska and you need to kind of kickstart your 2022 recruiting, would it be wise to just say, I, I know technically uh, you, you can't officially visit for the spring game. Technically, the NCAA isn't allowing uh, anything to happen. But you know what? There is going to be fans, say 50%, at Memorial Stadium. If you're a prospect, why don't you just buy spring game tickets and check that out? Could that be a an avenue Scott Frost in Nebraska go? 
I think that, you know, just a personal opinion, I, I think it's time for there start to starting to be schools take a little bit more control over what what they have to offer and what they need to continue to operate. Um, so for the Big Ten or the NCAA or anybody else to really start to dictate saying, uh, this is what it's going to be for you at this stage, and especially in a spring game where a place like Nebraska can generate some revenue. And I think people at Nebraska would understand if they say, look, you know, we're going to need an extra few bucks on our tickets, but we're going to open it up and we're going to put on a great show. Uh, maybe it's not 95,000 people, although I bet if you, if you open it up to 95, they would be there. Yeah, you know, in terms of the show that you can put on, look, this whole past year has been done for the most part online, and there's no better show for Nebraska to put on than what they can do at Memorial Stadium. You know, I, I think of the you know the the kid from Westside, Avante Dixon. Dickerson. Yeah. You know, Dickerson. You know, he, he made his decision. His his, his 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 decision to go to Minnesota initially was based on virtual, you know, a, a virtual visit. And there's just, it's just not the same. And he gets the opportunity to investigate a little bit more. And maybe it was an Oregon virtual visit. I think they actually made it um, an unofficial visit out there. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing like being in person at a place to really get a feel for what it's going to be like. And for Nebraska, spring games, football games, that's the best selling point. And if Nebraska needs a little bit of revenue and a, and a great way to sell it, then I think that's I, – I really think Nebraska's got to take control of it. And they've proven over the last year that they can put events on and do so safely. And, and I think Nebraska should be rewarded for that without anybody else looking over their shoulder. Talking with Bill Dolman here on a Friday on Hale Varsity Radio. And Bill, after the just events of the past year from football season being postponed, no fans in the stands, no fans in the stands for baseball, um, but you can have fans in the stands for the Big Ten tournament, I guess. Do, do you think that... Nebraska and the Nebraska Athletic Department administration, you think their relationship with the Big Ten has become soured after the events of the past year? I don't think it's necessarily Nebraska being soured. I think that the whole Big Ten, and if nobody is, if nobody's going to say this out loud, but i got to believe that there are some whispers in offices and in Zoom meetings saying, you know, what is the direction of this conference in terms of its leadership? And, you know, fans are saying this out loud. Media is saying this out loud. I'm certainly saying it out loud. But for 40 years or however long Jim Delaney was the commissioner of the Big Ten, there were no questions about the direction of of the conference and, you know, who was in charge and what was best for the Big Ten. I just don't – you don't sense any cohesiveness – uh, with that league right now. And, you know, what, what's the decision? There's going to be 8,000 people at the at the basketball tournament, but you can't have people at baseball games? Yeah, that's screwed up. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. And uh, I just think it's another one of those head scratchers, and people have been scratching their heads until they're bald since last August. You know? And I, I, anymore... If, if, if there's a common-sense decision that comes down, I think people are wondering, is that actually what we're going to do or not? Before, it was just unquestioned, and now it's, now there's just too many questions. So I don't think it's necessarily Nebraska. I think, I think it's a league-wide deal as to what are we doing, where are we going, and how are we going get, to get there, and who's going to take us there? Bill Dolman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We are here at... Pinnacle Bank Arena, courtside, the uh, B semi just wrapped up. Elkhorn North, 65, Scotts Bluff, 41. 
Scott's Bluff has an amazing sophomore, Sabrina Harsh. She is ultra-talented, but uh, too much um, Elkhorn North. Bill, I, you know, Elkhorn's got a Elkhorn North now, buddy. <laughs> uh, you, you've, you've already thrown me with that because, you know, I, I, my, the early days of my life, uh, I grew up uh, in what is probably now the middle of Omaha on 123rd right. and Shirley. And at that time, Omaha and Millard were connected by about 8 to 10 miles of farmland. And I'm not even sure Elkhorn existed at that time. So now you're talking about Elkhorn North. I was just getting used to being there in Elkhorn South. Right. No, we're on the same page with that. Bill, going to switch gears, talk some NFL here for a moment. And, you know, Elijah and I were talking. McShay released his mock draft 3.0 and... You know, there's there's some offensive linemen that, that, that Cincinnati is going to be interested in and Zach Taylor to protect Joe Burrow. Is there a guy or two in this draft that you're kind of either A, intrigued by, or B, like, wild that you think is going to be kind of a can't-miss NFL guy? Are you on the Wilson wagon, uh, the quarterback from BYU? I think he's awesome. I think he's a great ball player. I hope to see him do well in the NFL. I don't know where Denver's going to go. I loved your take a week or two ago on Denver trying to trade up or, or get that future quarterback and maybe move Vaughn Miller just with how, you know, where he's at in his career. But overall, is there a, a kid or two, either a quarterback or wideout or somebody that's piqued your interest here going into the uh, the upcoming draft here? Well, i got to be honest with you. All of my attention has been directed toward the World Nordic Championships, and there are probably a few people there that could do some good in the NFL because of their endurance. But the the, the wide receiver from Alabama, whose name escapes me, who won the Heisman Trophy, Smith. I think probably is, you know, in terms of those who have the names, that's that's the guy. Now, maybe, you know, he may have been um, benefited by, the you know, his quarterback, Jones. Um but I think that wideout is a really special player. He, he's, I think he's got to get a little more size on him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but with, well, as far as what Denver might do, I don't think Denver can rebuild at the quarterback position by going through the draft. I think that they were enamored with Drew Locke a couple of years ago because he's kind of young and funky and hip and all that stuff. Well, that act is kind of worn thin. And you can only throw so many two pick sixes and try and rebuild with a young guy. So I wouldn't see Denver... Uh, drafting a quarterback if if they don't get uh, Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. then I think they're going to stick with with Lauk and try their luck if you will or try their Lauk so I don't see them you know doing a, a rebuilding project with the quarterback again I think they need somebody that they can get and they can win now with and to me it, it, they, they got to swing for the fences and by all indications they're going to do that just as Carolina is going to do that um, but I, I think Watson is everything that, that Denver has to have at this point, and if they don't get him, I, I think it's no matter what they do in the draft, it's going to be a disappointment going into next year. Bill, real quick uh, on, on that quarterback front, Russell Wilson continuing to chirp. I don't know if things are out of the, uh, the realm of fixability for Seattle, but I'm interested to get your take on uh, if you're Vegas and you can pull the trigger – and Seattle's ready for a change, and Carr for Russell with some picks makes sense. Is that is that a direction maybe you go? And what do you believe about Russell right now as far as his future in Seattle? I just really find that an odd story. I mean, that just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. 
and maybe it's because it's been overshadowed by the Deshaun Watson dissatisfaction in Houston. I don't think there's any question that that Watson has done there. Um, but the whole Russell Wilson thing to me just seemed like what happened, and, and why did this happen so quickly? And I think that, you know if, if the if the Raiders can make a move like that, and I think Carr's had a decent year, a decent sure. couple of years with Gruden, um, and I, and my sense is that he would like to stay there. Uh, and that kind of also comes from people from the Mountain West that I know and know of the car situation. Um, but, you know, I, I think if you can make a move like that for the betterment of both guys, I think that's one deal that would be good for both. Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, have a great weekend. Thanks for jumping on with us, bud. Good to talk to you again. And don't forget to watch all of the World Nordic Championships on the networks of NBC Sports. You got to do it. Bill Dolman with us. Uh, we're courtside here at Pinnacle Bank Arena, Pius in Omaha Central. Coming up here, girls, a semi. Coach Tim Berta going to be with us uh, on the call and then to preview things here shortly. Greg Smith up next with recruiting on Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Hale Varsity continues. Uh, we're courtside at Pinnacle Bank Arena, and uh, we welcome in uh, some recruiting recon time with Greg Smith from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Greg Smith HV. Greg, we always start out our conversations either with what did you uh, what did you grill over the weekend, but I got to ask you what are you what are you thinking about grilling heading into the weekend with mid seventies? Is the smoker dusted off? Uh, okay, it, it, I am actually prepared this time. Um, I'm usually prepared. We've got uh, both uh, tilapia and salmon out and, and ready to go, and uh, some chicken wings, and I think some some uh, hamburger meat to throw some burgers together as well. So that way we just knock it all out of the way, um, and we're good for a couple of days. See, I got to get Junior with you because he's a big salmon guy. My dad turned him on to salmon. I, okay. I just kind of wave at it. Uh, now, you give me the right uh, <laughs> glaze, and I'm sure anything tastes amazing. So I, I will I will let you have the salmon, but I, you can maybe twist my arm. Uh, but some burger option sounds good. Tilapia is uh, a winner. And uh, I'm thinking... Brother, I'm thinking pork chop bone in this weekend. I gotta, I gotta okay. keep this pork chops streak going of at least three times a week. Uh, that works too. I mean, I don't think I haven't done pork chops in a little bit, so maybe that'll be next up on the list. Uh, but we did get a new air fryer, so we'll, we'll be busting that bad boy out soon here too. That's the way to do it. We got quarterbacks to talk, Greg, with with uh, recruiting. But I want to start off with. Uh, the latest uh, recon with outside linebacker Ernest Hausman, stud ball player from Columbus. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald really likes him. We've gone into great detail about the, the Nebraska Five, so to speak, for 2022 and uh, how Nebraska has not really been a, a part of the top five or three for some of the high-level in-state guys. So uh, your take on Ernest right now, how's the relationship building going? And Columbus, uh, a great old town. And, and Houseman's uh, just a phenomenal athlete that would look good in red at Ed Backer. Yeah, he, he definitely would. And I think that he's a kid um, that has continued to see, see his stock rise, just like all of the rest of these Nebraska kids that we're talking about um, pretty often here. As you mentioned, Northwestern um, is after him quite a bit. I know Michigan is a school that's after him, Arizona State after him as well. 
well. Uh, but the relationship is strong with Nebraska. I think Nebraska um, is in a nice position right now. I think that they would be in an even better position if we were kind of in normal times right now and he could actually visit. Um, because as odd as it sounds, with him being in Columbus, he's never been to Nebraska for a, for a visit. Um, obviously, not an official visit, but unofficial or otherwise, um, because his offer came kind of in, during COVID. Like we have this whole kind of group of kids from the 2022 class that that kind of blew up during um, the COVID stuff. So he hasn't been able to visit anywhere. But I like Nebraska's chances. Um, but he also told me that he's looking at making a decision and an announcement here sometime this month, um, which probably signals good things for Nebraska. But as we mentioned earlier, there are plenty of schools after him right now. Greg Smith with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And and Greg, uh, we were talking a few days ago about, like, is there reason for concern uh, with the Huskers class of 2022 with there being no commitments yet? And Chris and I were generally thinking uh, no. But one of of the positions we got into was quarterback. Huskers have already offered a number of 2022 quarterbacks. Uh, Who who are some of the the top guys uh, on the uh, on the board, if you will, uh, for Scott Frost and his staff? Yeah, you know, it's kind of wild. Like, in the wild isn't the right. It's, it's just become commonplace for quarterbacks to really be the first ones to commit in classes. So there, are, Nebraska does not offer a ton of quarterbacks, um, especially compared to other positions. But probably half of the ones that they've offered have already committed to schools um, and some big time schools at that. But there are still guys out there um, like MJ Morris out of Georgia is a guy that they really like. Gavin Wimsett is a kid out of Kentucky um, that the staff likes. It feels like the Wandale situation kind of soured him on Nebraska. Um, and then you've got a new offer out in Texas, and Richard Torres is about 6'5", 200, um, I think from the same high school as Tommy Armstrong or the same area at the very least. Um, and he's a kid who definitely has all the tools uh, moving forward that you're looking for, um, but a little bit more off the radar. So there's a, there's a few guys um, out there, but Nebraska, I think, is going to have to get going here on quarterback. But the problem is, is that because I think almost all of those quarterbacks are out of state and kind of out of region, you're going to need to get them here to kind of get them sold on what Nebraska has to offer. Greg Smith is with us, recruiting insider, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We're live courtside at Pinnacle Bank Arena. We're getting ready for Pius in Omaha Central, the semis for Girls State Class A. Greg, uh, let's talk quarterbacks. And, and you mentioned, you know, there's nine dudes that Nebraska likes. Six are committed. Three are uh, not having Nebraska in their top top five. But you have some undecideds out there. Uh, Steve Angeli out of, out of New Jersey comes to mind, the Hawaiian connection with Bianco, AJ's a 6'3 kid that's still under the radar and uh, Tavian Jackson's a kid I really like out, out of uh, uh, Greenwood, Indiana I think he's pretty nice to, to focus for a second on Torres, is Torres a guy you expect to kind of blow up because he's got size, he has arm strength, he kind of glides when he gets into the open field but he's not super, super quick but man, the arm strength is and touches a nice combination. Is he a guy where you you think you'll see his stock rise up uh, since he's gotten the Nebraska offer? And if you were to give me a couple of other names, like the the Greg Smith wish list quarterback uh, that are available, who are the other two or three names you have on there and uh, in, in, in association with Torres? Yeah, I, 
I think that Torres is a kid who I, I think definitely could see his stock rise. The size, um, athleticism, and arm strength, um, and accuracy as well, combination kind of lends itself to him kind of blowing up after this Nebraska offer. And it feels like this happens, and I don't know why it seems like it happens so often with kids in Texas, but it feels like quarterbacks in Texas somehow go under the radar one day, and then a week later it feels like they've completely blown up. That actually recently happened with a kid in Nebraska really liked and had on the wish list and Cade Klubnik, um, who completely blew up and just committed to Clemson. That's how much he blew up. Um, but Torres is a kid that Nebraska likes. I, I think that my wish list, MJ Morris, the kid that I mentioned already, um, is definitely one that, that I would keep an eye on that Nebraska likes a lot. Um, I think that my ultimate wish list is going to need to be expanded a little bit. They're probably going to have to find some new names. Um, but I, I think that that's also in part because they may be looking to take it two quarterbacks this cycle. A lot is going to depend on what happens with Logan Smothers, who's already on campus, and them continuing to get evaluation on him and where they think he is, uh, because it's really open after what happens with Adrian Martinez, um, and you could be looking at a situation where Nebraska can bring in two in the 2022 cycle. Greg Smith with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Greg, you had a piece on HaleVarsity.com this week that I found pretty interesting. It was uh, if the dead period wasn't around right now, which, which guys would the Huskers want to get to campus and which guys would maybe be most impacted by a, a visit to campus at this point in the recruitment? Top name is a guy we've just talked about, uh, quarterback MJ Morris. But what other guys on that list do you think uh, would be good uh, for them if they were to see the, uh, the University of Nebraska and in, in the, the stadium and the campus and all that on a visit? Yeah, there's a, there's a handful that come to mind right away. Ernest Hausman, who we mentioned already, um, so won't go with him, but he's definitely a kid you'd like to get here um, sooner rather than later. Uh, James Mons third is a defensive back out of Florida who will be great for Nebraska to get here. If Mon sounds familiar, it's because his uncle uh, Walter played here in the 70s. Um, so he's already heard all about Nebraska. If you can get him here um, and kind of finish that thing off, that would be really good for Nebraska. Um, there's a couple of kids in Kansas. Um, Gavin Myers is a linebacker and Jared Kanak. Um, they both play on the same team and I don't think that they're necessarily a package deal but if you can get both of them here on campus Myers is a linebacker and Kanak kind of a, an athlete that could play wide receiver or cornerback um, and at the college level. If you can get him here you can start to really get that 500 mile radius uh, ramped up. Uh, so Those are a few names that, that Nebraska would really like to get here early um, so that they can make us some headway whenever visits are allowed again. Greg, what's a number that would benefit Nebraska uh, when it comes to, to, to crowd and kind of wow factor? Now, with the uh, recruiting dead period extended to not re-extended, but, you know, it's end of May, right? So yeah, even with uh, butts in seats for a spring game May 1st, whatever that number is, great. But it's still not going to really benefit on site for Nebraska other than the, the showcase here. But, you know, how do you feel moving forward here with things starting to open up back up for Nebraska with the, the work that they put in, you know, COVID recruiting season? And then as we kind of climb our way out of this, uh, do you feel pretty good about some of the relationships, the work that Fisher and Held and Austin and Frost and company have done? I mean, can Nebraska really hit the ground running once things are eased open? 
Yeah, I definitely think so. I think, and that's what's going to be really interesting to see once things do open up is just who's coming on campus right away um, because you'll learn a lot, right? You'll learn which guys Nebraska has made real headway with and, and gotten higher on their list and versus which, which guys Nebraska really likes and prioritize getting here on campus really quickly. Uh, so I think that'll be really important. Um, I do think that spring game, if there can be some spring game attendance, I do think that that can be used as just kind of a point of reference um, a little bit because whatever that number is, Nebraska will sell it out and you'll be able to say, hey, the first opportunity that they got to come back, they definitely want to come support. And this is what it's like all the time. Um, so that would be good. But I think Nebraska should be in good shape once uh, those visits happen. But I think the, the season and what happens there is going to be the most important thing uh, for this recruiting class. Greg, just to end uh, a little while ago on Twitter, a uh, kid I love watching play ball and we've uh, done a lot of Southeast games uh, over the years on the radio and, and Coach Gatula, uh, one of our favorites, Gunner Gatula, uh, getting a phone call from, from Kansas State uh, with an offer to play. Gunner's one of those guys to watch, not only from Big 12 schools, but uh, he's definitely, he's got to be on Nebraska's radar, doesn't he? Yeah, he's absolutely on the radar. I, I'm mildly surprised that he doesn't have an offer from Nebraska already. i got to imagine that that's coming um, here relatively soon. I definitely think that, that he is a, he's obviously a Power 5 level lineman, um, and I think he's a kid that would fit nicely with Nebraska, and you want to keep kids right here on Lincoln as well. Greg Smith with us, Hale Varsity Radio, recruiting insider and Greg Smith HV. Greg, uh, get that tilapia going. Send me a picture of the salmon. And uh, just for good measure, uh, make my burger a double, all right, when I stop by this weekend. <laughs> I got you. It'll be ready for it. There he is, Greg Smith with us, and Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, take care. Thank you. Hey, have a good weekend. Good to hear from uh, Greg Smith. We're courtside, Pinnacle Bank Arena, Chris Schmidt. And uh, excited to uh, to spend some time here with uh, Tim Berda, uh, assistant uh, for Lincoln Southwest. He'll be on the call with me tonight. We'll preview uh, Pius and Omaha Central coming up. Uh, also going to look at uh, the uh, final tomorrow for Norris and Elkhorn North. So plenty of hoop thoughts here. It's been a blast being courtside as we're winding down a uh, Friday edition of uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Elijah, uh, there's some people launching threes here between games and around the arc. Uh, we, we talked about your uh, your your lack of uh, thrill when it comes to transition offense and defense as a kid. Uh, but were you uh, good from distance as a three-point shooter? Uh, I mean, that, that was the problem, I think, and, and me growing up in That's basketball, good. is that I, I was just someone who was – stuck down low because I was a big body and, and, and my heart was on the perimeter. I, I, I can still knock down threes, went and played a little basketball yesterday and the long winter hurt my three-point stroke, uh, at least yesterday, but I know it's coming back because three-point stroke never really goes away. Just launch it uh, from wherever. Tim Baird, uh, Nebraska, uh, assistant with Southwest, next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back here at Hale Varsity Radio, uh, we are on the road Friday, uh, semifinal Friday at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Courtside, we welcome in the assistant for Southwest, uh, one of my favorite people. He can catch a fish, he can seek a putt, and he can coach some basketball. Tim Berta with us, and he'll be on the call over on KFOR tonight with me at 6 
or a little after for Pius and Central. Mr. Berta, good to see you, man. Thanks for uh, sitting in and, and talking some ball. What do you know? You as well, Chris. Good to good to be here. Glad to be back. Uh, really, really rather be coaching tonight. I'm not going to lie. I know. Uh, but all things said, uh, I'm excited to see what uh, tonight's game brings for, for us. We, you know, it's kind of a battle of... Uh, uh, of wills in the sense of Lincoln Pius has Alexis Murkowski in in the middle and, and, and Jillian does an outstanding job of running their ship and they're so good at running their system and doing things that, that make things hard for the other team as well from the defensive standpoint uh, and Lex is a really hard person to defend uh, you know obviously a Nebraska recruit and has, has a great you know knowledge of the game and things like that but uh, Central brings uh, a, a different taste to the game in the sense of uh, they are bigger than Lex. You know, they can match her with 6-3 and then throw 6-6 on top of that. It's one of those things where um, if they can stay within what the parameters need them to do in order to be, be successful, I think they got a great shot at, at making this a good ball game. Well, and we had the, the Central-Southwest game and, and back and forth, kind of a heavyweight tilt. You guys won at Central earlier in the year and and what a what a close to that win on the road where you were down seven with two minutes left and then you uh found a way man at 58 54 very similar score the other night to open up class a action and then we're sick for you too not not being uh on the court tonight against Pius. we're all looking forward to that uh to talk central for a second and what they have in Jones at point guard, what they have with 6-5, and just not tall kids, but they're, they're tall kids that are, are so, and I've said this all week, but they're so mobile, they're so coordinated. And, and then you got Jones 0-60 to 60, uh, on top of uh, the, the fact that you've got two scores that really uh, can hit from distance and also drive it in Webb and Wayne. Yeah. So Central's a team that really flipped from a nine-win squad to a 23-win squad in just a season, and that's that's to be commended. Yes, absolutely. They uh, they did. They've had a great year. You know, I think they're 20, 23 and three or something yeah. like that. Um, but but I think it really it all starts with Jones, their point guard, who is a freshman kid but doesn't play like a freshman. Uh, she's a kid that's grown up playing, uh, playing a lot of basketball. She, she played a lot of basketball with the boys. Uh, she played middle linebacker on her middle school football team. She's a kid that's a tough, hard-nosed kid who is as competitive as there is out there. So I think she has been kind of the glue that has brought all those pieces together. Then working through their lineup, you have uh, Webb, who is an outstanding three-point shooter that has, and I use this term loosely, limited, uh, unlimited range because she'll shoot from, from 25, 26 feet and makes it look effortless, uh, has no conscience when it comes to that, and she's a volume scorer where once she gets a shot to go in, she's anxious to get that second and third shot going, and that's what she did the other night to, to us in the fourth quarter. Uh, Wayne did a great job in the first half of banging in some threes. I think she was four of eight uh, from the three-point line against us, which she hadn't shown in the first game we played them or in leading up to, uh, but did a great job of, of taking what we thought was an option to, to give to her. And then you take your big kids, and, and, and they are athletic. You know, one of them's a Division I volleyball kid. Uh, and the other, they, they just move really well. 
without the ball and, and are really good rebounders on top of it. Tim Baird is courtside here. He's on the call tonight over on KFOR. Pius at Omaha Central. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hale Varsity Roadshow Friday. We're here at Pinnacle Bank Arena ahead of Central and Pius. You know, Coach uh, Pesota and Coach Markowski, a uh, really special squad. We're working on 31 straight wins for them. Uh, they're working on back-to-back championships. And uh, what, what has wowed you most about this Pius team this season? Well, they're, you know, when you go undefeated, you got to have a certain level of consistency with what you do. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that Lex is, is the staple and the go-to uh, when it comes to, to, to revolving their offense around them. Uh, but Jillian Ashoff is the point guard and kind of uh, the one that makes him go in the sense of uh, she tries to control tempo and make sure she's in charge of, of getting things going. And then they did a really good job with, with their complimentary players. Uh, Marion Miller is an outstanding defender. Yes. Uh, a kid that just does a lot of the stuff that doesn't show up in stat lines and things like that. Uh, Addis Markowski has been really good about hitting shots. Uh, when they really need them and just making plays. And then, uh, you know, they're off post. The Hagedorn kid has, understands what she is to do to be them the most effective for them, and that's be a complimentary player. When they when Lex doubles, she knows to slash to weak side, and, and they do a good job of getting the ball in her hands and, and, and getting her some pretty easy looks when the pressure really uh, comes at Markowski. I like Charlie Hagedorn's ability to, to move around the, the free throw line, the, the baseline, and she's either making the shot, getting an offensive rebound, or finding an open teammate. She's And she did her time, you know, as, as a role person for Pius, and now she's starting in, in her senior season. And uh, that's, a, that's really cool to see. Coach, uh, Tim Barrett is with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio, uh, State Girls Semis. Central out of their locker room, warming up in that royal purple. And uh, they're feeling all right. Ball just went a little errant there. Uh, so real quick on, on Norris and and Elkhorn North. Got about uh, two minutes here. Man, uh, what a what a burst of energy between York and, and, and Norris today. That was such an exciting, fun ball game. And, and kudos to Norris and Stye and company for getting to, to the championship. And Elkhorn North, man, they can just bomb away from three. Their, their offense is real smooth. Yeah, they are. So, so let's start first with the Norris game. And, and Norris-York is a, a rivalry, a game that, you know, they, they play historically all the time. And, and it's back and forth and back and forth. Uh, but, but credit Coach Hagerman and, and his kids and, and staying true to what they need to do and, and making sure that everything is, is in place and people are where they need to be and, and doing the stuff they have and, and really did a good job down the stretch of uh, rebounding the basketball and then knocking down free throws. Um, as they come. I thought uh, Molly Ramsey did a really good job on Portwine, uh, who's York's, you know, obviously they're, they're all state caliber kid, um, you know, limited how many opportunities she had when it came to. So uh, I thought that was really important as well. And then, you know, obviously Stye got him some buckets down the stretch, which was good. And then you flip to the 
the Elkhorn North game, and, and that's the first time I've had a chance to see them live this mm-hmm. year. But uh, Britt Prince is all advertised plus some. You know, she scored from uh, from deep. She scored mid-range, and she scored going to the rim. Um, and I think she does a really good job of, uh, of getting some of her other kids involved there. Uh, their complimentary players did a good job today as well. Jim Baird, assistant for Lincoln Southwest. We get an email in from Bert. He says, York rules. That is not a shock. We'll uh, get you ready for tip-off as we're courtside here. Pinnacle Bank Arena, Central and Pius will wind down a Friday road show with Hale Varsity, and we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. It's been uh, fun to be on the road here. Central and Pius gets going here at about 20 minutes over on KFOR. Elijah Herbal back at our studio. And uh, Chris Schmidt, courtside. Big thanks to Coach Tim Berda for joining us to kind of preview tonight's uh, semi-matchup. We've hit some recruiting. We've talked some NFL. We've gotten into Husker basketball as uh, they got just rolled by Iowa, and they'll try and regroup against Northwestern. Let's uh, tell you about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of Fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Elijah Herbal, what is the weekend agenda for you, aside from producing and uh, scoreboard hosting championship games tomorrow? Uh, let's see, a UFC uh, tomorrow night. I'm really excited for that. I hope I've Who's on the card? I'm you got to kind of lay it out for so me. And do we, I need to buy? Uh, I'm not sure if you need to buy. I think it's going to be a really good one. Uh, you have uh, Israel Adesanya, who is moving up in weight to take on the uh, the champion at light heavyweight, Jan Blahovich. And the interesting thing here is Adesanya is like a world champion kickboxer, and he's won uh, the kickboxing belt at three different weight classes. And the interesting thing is he doesn't actually change his weight for these fights at all. He actually just goes in at the same weight. So he's going to be probably on, on by the time the fight rolls around tomorrow night. A good 20, 30 pounds uh, less than the guy he's fighting. So that's that's the headliner. That one's going to be fun. Never want to bet against Adesanya, but this one is a, is a, a steep challenge. Uh, then you also have a, a couple other championship fights as well. Uh, it's three total championship fights tomorrow night. Uh, looking forward to all of them. That should be fun. The weather's going to be nice tomorrow. Going to get outside and grill, drink some beers before the uh, before the UFC fights. And then uh, Sunday, uh, going to be celebrating my birthday with my family. That's coming up. My birthday's coming up uh, a week from tomorrow. So going to be celebrating uh, the 22nd with the family on Sunday. Good for you, man. I know your birthday's on the on the radar and do the uh, the old family thing. What are we grilling tomorrow is the more important question. Greg is doing burgers and tilapia and salmon, and good for him. I, I, uh, I had a pork chop last night that was good. Uh, I am maybe going to... I've been doing the air fryer thing with the chicken, which has been incredible. But man, I'm gonna. I might just go trifecta. I may go beef, chicken, and pork for uh, for a little Friday uh, grilling. Maybe some Sunday grilling. I'm thinking that could happen. See, I'm going with the, the classic. Like it's spring, it's warm weather. I'm going burgers and brats all day tomorrow. Uh, I haven't decided on, on a brat flavor yet. I, I think I think. 
traditional's too boring. I, I know uh, Hy-Vee's got some good pineapple brats. That could be uh, those are money. That Can could you do? that could be a good like spring like it's warm weather. Got to have the pineapple yeah. brats to feel like summer. Sauerkraut, yes or no? Oh, big sauerkraut Beautiful. fan. Beautiful. Relish, Beautiful. I'm, I'm on the fence about. I, I like relish, but I don't think it's like 100% necessary every single time I have a hot dog. Whereas sauerkraut, like I, I got to have sauerkraut in my dog. I think you go sauerkraut with a little relish, a little mustard, and you go spicy Italian. You, are you not ketchup on your hot dog kind of guy? I just try not to do a lot of, I don't hate ketchup, but I just don't think you should do ketchup. See, for me, it's like if I'm eating like a Fairberry brand hot dog, I'm throwing ketchup on there because that reminds me of like childhoods out at the right. uh, Memorial you're, Stadium. You're watching somebody get rolled by 50 back in the day. Yeah, but if I'm, uh, if I'm eating a brat, no ketchup at all, just, just yeah. mustard and sauerkraut. Beautiful. Elijah, we'll see you over at KFOR for the uh, Central and Pious game. Thanks for uh, jumping on today, dude.